the original recipients of John's first epistle were in danger of being deceived. Uh, false teachers, including some who apparently had been a part of their own local church at one point, were now calling into question basic doctrines of the Christian faith. Among other errors, these false teachers taught that righteous, holy living was unnecessary. It had nothing to do with a true knowledge of God. The passage I would like to consider this evening is the last paragraph in this letter. 1 John chapter 5, uh, verses 18 through 21. If you would turn there, we'll, we'll read that passage. 1 John 5, uh, verses 18 to 21. Verse 18 says, We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. As I mentioned already, these uh, readers had been exposed to error, to false teaching. And with this letter, John was seeking to combat that error to, uh, to clarify certain doctrines and, and just to settle the hearts of these believers whom he called little children. The false teachers taught that mere intellectual knowledge was enough to make men acceptable to God, even though they lived impure lives. Now, I think it's unlikely that anybody here this evening would actually uh, hold that view. But I, I do think there's a danger, a very real danger for all Christians, that perhaps by our, uh, by our attitudes about sin, um, by uh, an inattention to careful obedience to God's commands, I think there's a danger that we could uh, adopt in some way, even embrace these heretical views, not, not intentionally, not intellectually, but practically in our, in our behavior, in our conduct. So in seeking uh, some common ground, a commonality uh, between the dangers that you and I face um, in 2017 and the dangers that John's readers uh, faced. I, I've come up with the following statement, the following uh, proposition. A wrong view of sin betrays a lack of understanding about the character of God. Read that again. A wrong view of sin, you could say a casual view of sin, betrays or reveals a lack of understanding about the character of God. Verse 18 reads, We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. Now, of course, this is not an argument for what's called the eradication of sin in the life of a believer. Um, John addresses that erroneous thinking in the first two chapters of this book. The present indicative verb tense that's used in, in this verse um, that, for the word sin, uh, that verb tense indicates that, as one commentator writes, this is referring to the practice of sinning habitually, deliberately, easily, and maliciously, 
That is the kind of sinning that one who is born of God will not do, cannot do. Some different versions of the scriptures translate the present indicative verb tense as follows. The one born of God does not go on sinning, does not keep on sinning, does not continue to sin, does not make a practice of sinning. Uh, Furthermore, we see here that he who was born of God, that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, keeps him, in other words, protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. The false teachers taught that it really doesn't matter if you're sinning habitually, deliberately, easily, maliciously. But John teaches here that that practice is antithetical to being born of God. So much so that the Son of God himself keeps us, protects us from the evil one so that we won't sin in that way. Let's move on to verse 19. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We see here, as we see through, throughout all scripture, a clear and distinct difference, a separation between God and the evil one, between those born of God and the world. Uh, as our pastor often reminds us, when God sees the world, he sees just two kinds of souls. As the language of this passage would say, he sees those who are born of God and those who aren't. There's no middle ground. Uh, In fact, we see this same kind of black and white language uh, throughout this letter that that John uses. Earlier in the letter, he says, you are either in the light or you're in the darkness. You're in the truth or you're a liar. You are either practicing righteousness or you're practicing lawlessness. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. No middle ground. Uh, And in this verse, there is a clear distinction in what you are. You are either born of God or you're not. And therefore, there should be a clear distinction in who controls you. You are either overmastered by the Spirit of God or, as it says in this verse, you lie in the power of the evil one. And then following that logical progression, there should be a clear distinction in your conduct, in your behavior. Uh, The Christian's conduct is addressed throughout this entire letter. One commentator says, the test of the truth of God is conduct. This is exactly the opposite of what the false teachers taught. And, and we may be, again, not, not intentionally, but through, through carelessness or, or through negligence, um, and again, especially if, if, we, if we have a casual view of sin or a wrong view of sin, we may be in, t- in danger, uh, again, not of intentionally holding these views, but of practically uh, in, in our in our daily living, and again, I've heard pastors say living as practical atheists, right? Not, not saying that, not, not acknowledging it with your you know, intellect, but in the way you live. Um, that's something that we need to guard against. Um, again, looking at, uh, just to review the proposition, a wrong view of sin betrays or reveals a lack of understanding about the character of God. What does verse 20 say about understanding? And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. We read here that the Son of God has given us understanding that we might know him who is true. In other words, God the Father. Scripture teaches clearly that the Son reveals the Father. Remember what 
Jesus said to, uh, to Philip in John chapter 14, verse 9. He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Right? So the, the Son has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, that's the Father, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. Some translations say that we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ, or because we are in his Son, Jesus Christ. John then concludes the verse with a strong affirmation of the full deity of Jesus Christ. One commentator writes, the false prophets may well have believed that Christ was the savior of the world, but they probably denied the connection between the divine Christ with Jesus of Nazareth. At least, they clearly denied that the Christ had ever come in the flesh. With this verse, John asserts clearly that the Son of God has indeed come, and that this one, this Jesus Christ, is the true God and eternal life. So if we are in fact in the true God, then we should reflect in our conduct, in our behavior, we should reflect his righteous, holy character. Uh, it's interesting to me that John doesn't just conclude the letter right there. He adds one more verse, which at first glance seems to be a little bit out of place, at least that's how it strikes me. But verse 21 says, little children, guard yourselves from idols. Remember, with this letter, John is combating error, he is clarifying doctrines, he's settling the hearts of these believers, and he's, he's saying uh, here that, and he's saying it clearly in, in no uncertain terms, that deviation from the truth is idolatry. Uh, the false teachers clearly did not understand the character of our holy God, and because of that, they were excusing, they were allowing a sinful lifestyle. They were, for all intents and purposes, worshiping a God created in their own image. Uh, John says, little children, guard yourselves from that. Again, one final time, the proposition, a wrong view of sin betrays or reveals a lack of understanding about the character of God. I'd like to close with two quotes from the 19th century from two different men. Uh, both claimed Christ, but they certainly had very different understandings, um, different views of, of God and sin. Um, Heinrich Heine was a German poet and a journalist, and supposedly, while on his deathbed, Heine was asked by a priest whether he thought God would forgive him of his sins. And as the account goes, Heine replied, of course God will forgive me. That's his job. In sharp, sharp contrast to that, another well-known figure from the 19th century, English preacher Charles Spurgeon said, he that plays with sin is very far from knowing anything about the character of the Most High. I'm going to read that one more time. He that plays with sin is very far from knowing anything about the character of the Most High. John says, little children, guard yourselves from idols. Guard yourselves from a wrong view or a casual view of sin. Guard yourselves from a wrong view of God or a casual view of God. Guard yourselves from any deviation from the truth, any deviation from the true worship of the true God. Guard yourselves from idols. May God help us to properly understand his character and uh, the implications of that in our daily life and conduct.